Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, my fellow Belizeans. I'd like to greet everyone in the name of peace, which is a universal greeting from all the prophets. It's a very beautiful day. It's uh, one of those days where wherever you are, I hope you're having a wonderful morning. I'm really excited to be doing this show today because I have some serious guests that will address some very serious issues that plague Belize's Belize's development as a nation, as a country that's trying to get into the new millennium. Um, I just returned from Belize after, uh, what, three weeks or so, or so. And um very interesting and enlightened trip. I uh, was able to broadcast from Belize City and, you know, give my participatory participatory observation um, of things that I saw and observed on the ground, which which is a good thing because oftentimes you get the criticism that uh, that um, you are making too much of it on Facebook or on social media, and you don't get an opportunity you don't get an opportunity to um, to really engage in it because you're spending time on Facebook. So that's the criticism that um I take seriously and um I try to get down there to to really see what's happening on the ground. And I had an opportunity also to be on um with my good friend uh, Louis Wade, uh Plus T V. That was very enlightened right enlightening and spirited discussion with myself, Louis Wade and um, Dr. Well, I mean, Senator Henry Garden last Friday. So that was another one of the things that I was able to accomplish down there by being able to to get and have a discussion live with the with the people in the motherland, people that are that that, that are very much interested in what's happening, not only in Belize but what's happening abroad. So I was able to give a a diaspora perspective on that. Um, my guests today that I have are three individuals whom you know I have a lot of respect for. Um, Greg Chuck, or Gregora Chuck, who is the executive director of Satim. If you're not familiar, Gregora Chuck is a Mayan brother from Dung South who is battling, mm. who is battling U.S. capital oil, big oil, for the rights. To whatever is found on the ancestral lands in Dung South. In this case, it's the Timash Reserve, and there is supposedly oil that, or potential for oil, and you know, these oil companies come into these communities or into these small countries like Belize, and they buy, buy over whoever they can buy out, and, and they want to just, you know, exploit 
whatever resources is found on these lands without without uh, as much as uh, trying to give back to the communities that they're exploiting. And, and people like Greg Chuck and Maya Brothers down there need those solidarity because this is a very serious issue. You know, they have they have been fighting the legal battles that even though they were, they won this this case the right anyway to, to that that is their ancestral land, the government of Belize have decided that they will side with US capital oil and they will um continue to to litigate this. And so um these are the kind of things um these are the kind of things that we'll be discussing and I and I had an opportunity to see Greg Chuck. I never met him in person but I had an opportunity to see him um, uh, on TV and the way how this this attorney that represents, I believe he's an attorney, he's also the Speaker of the House, and I'm saying to myself, how can you be the Speaker of the House, you know, in government business, yet still you, you are able oh, to represent... You can hear them, right, Greg? Yes, yes, yes I can. You're, you're, able to, you're able to represent... Um, you're able to represent a private interest such as U.S. Capital Oil. Clearly, to me, that's a conflict of interest, and he should disavow himself from the case with U.S. Capital Law because you cannot be you, you're not going to tell me that you that you will not uh, bring undue influence on that, that that litigation in the courts when you have access to the centers of power. So, for me, that attorney Michael Perfit, who's also the Speaker of the House of Representatives, should recuse himself from this case, and he has the audacity to get on national TV and disparage Greg Chuck. And the Mayas in their position and what they and what they're fighting for. For me, that was the biggest insult because you don't, you don't you, look. I understand that that's his client, but I also think that he should not be on that case because of the fact that he's a public official in a very sensitive position as Speaker of House, but as a Speaker of the House. But for him to get on national TV and you know, in essence, call out the Mayas and question the integrity is is it to me that's that. That's the biggest treacherous thing I've seen in a long, long time. How dare him question these people and their and their righteous fight for what's right, and their cause is just. And he's calling them out and suggesting as if though that they have some kind of um, disingenuous intent or some sort of uh, intent to 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 so all about money as if though these Mayans should just trust U.S. capital oil because this is an altruistic oil company that has their best interest. At, at, at hand, they should just believe whatever this other company says. Well, uh, that really rubbed me the wrong way, and that's why I felt I need to bring on a brother like Greg Chuck to explain what's going on to the, to the Belizean diaspora and to the, to the people around the world, what's really happening in that country as it relates to Satin's fight against U.S. capital oil. And I also want to have with me um, Will Mejia. Many of you know this brother here. He's an environmentalist who is active in in, in, in um, trying to protect our environment and fighting for, for not only for their environment, but fighting for what's right for Belizeans as it relates to the Guatemalan expansionist uh, ideology that they're trying to push the campesinos, Guatemalan campesinos, onto onto Belize soil. And hopefully, what they what they hope to do is to annex those things because annex the, the, those land because once the reality on the ground becomes a reality, then you know it's really no. Belize will be in a position where they they will never be able to um to to to, to recover that. And this whole IC this whole ICJ thing is just not something that we you know we um you know we want to continue. So um 
you know, these, then I also have Joseph Guerrero, who is uh, from the National Gallery for the Council. He's, he's, you know, he's um, been fighting to to legitimize the Garifunas' um, depatriation and the rights of the Garifunas, not only in Belize, but you know, from the fact that they were disbanded from the from Saint Vincent. So it's, this should be a very spirited um, discussion, and I look forward to hearing from these brothers. Um, I have them on the line. I have so far have Gregor Chuck. And I also have um, um, Joseph Guerrero. I'm going to wait for Will Mejia to, to he's going to join us via Skype. So I don't know if he's having any issues, but I will try to walk him through it in a minute. But um, good morning, uh, your brother Gregorio Chuck and um, Joseph Guerrero. How are you guys doing this morning? Um, I am doing well, thank you. Um, I'm really honored to have been asked to be on the show. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm doing, this is Joe Guerrero, um, Hubert, I'm doing well. I just needed to make one correction. I am not with the National Garifuna Council. That's okay, an organization right. actually in Belize. I'm with the United Garifuna Association Incorporated, which is uh, based in New York. Okay, then. All right. Um, um, thanks, thanks for the clarity, then, uh, Joseph. Um, as we wait for Will, mm-hmm. Gregorio, okay, you, did, I saw you on TV, I think that was last week, when you were, there was some sort of injunction that came down from the magistrate uh, or you know this US the least court what was it, what exactly was it that 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 that, um, that that particular issue what was that particular issue about that that you were litigating at that point okay um this is just one correction i i my my real name is gregory chuck mhm you know, gregory chuck um, yeah, in respect to the um, injunction, if we can start there, and perhaps maybe later on a, a, a chronology, historical uh, uh, perspective of the struggle that is, on, is ongoing in the Southern Timash National Park. Um, the injunction, uh, and this is the second injunction that we have filed, but the latest one last year uh, uh, came about, um, there's actually three injunctions, sorry. Uh, last year, we filed an injunction along with the substantive claim um, because we felt that we needed to stop U.S. capital energy daily operations inside the park uh, before um, we can proceed to uh, have the court uh, hear the substantive claims. Um, that was in October, and we found that U.S. capital was not going to drill immediately, and that they indicated to the court and to us that they would not be drilling until probably the latter part of December, January. Therefore, uh, to not waste the court time, we, we agreed to adjourn the injunction, no? um, and that allowed us to ask the court to expedite the hearing of the substantive claim, which actually ho- occurred, no? mm-hmm. and uh, the, the injunction that we filed more recently this year uh, was as a result of the ongoing uh, activities of U.S. Capital Energy in the park. 
and we felt that the significant amount of progress that they've made warrant us to go back to the court to stop them because the court had not yet issued its ruling uh, in the matter of the substantive case, uh, substantive claim. So, um, but when we went to court, the judge says, informed us, all parties, that uh, she was going to issue her ruling the following week. Thereby, again, we felt that in order to not uh, waste the, the court's time, uh, we, we adjourned the injunction until Thursday. Um, and that's what happened. And uh, on Thursday, the judge, Madam Justice Arana, issued her ruling on Thursday um, uh, in support uh, of, uh, of the claims of the Maya communities. Great. Thanks a lot on that. Um, uh, 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 Joseph, um, before I get on to you, let me yes. just acknowledge that Will, Will, Will Mahir is on the line. Brother Will, how are you doing? I'm fine. Good, good, you good. Hear me? Will, you, 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 you heard uh, what Gregora Chuck was saying. And, you know, I, the reason why I think that all these things are related because, you know, we have a situation in Belize where, you know, the, the poor working class majorities always tend to get the, you know, in, in, or government stand, whatever regime it is in, seem to always take the side of the neoliberals. That is to say, the bottom line for them is more, more important is more important than the than the actual individual. Then they don't they don't tend to push people centered policy. They, they they go for the big business over over you know over the, the little man, if you will. Um, but Joseph, what exactly is it? Yeah. How do you tying your struggle to to what you, Greg Chuck is? Uh, is saying regarding um regarding the Maya struggle and the Garifuna people in Belize in Belize. Okay, well, Hubert, in looking at the United Nations uh, Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People in the Annex, part of it says recognizing and reaffirming that Indigenous individuals are entitled without discrimination to all human rights recognized in international law, and that indigenous peoples possess, this is important, collective rights, which are indispensable for their existence. Okay. Indigenous people depend on the land for their living, for their culture, for their well-being, just their way of life. And I think that what we need to do is strike a balance between what the government sees as a need for development but while not ignoring or marginalizing the people who live on the land that they're trying to develop. And I am happy that we have this declaration of the uh, uh, rights of indigenous people as a guide, as a standard by which governments can, uh, uh, should make their laws and etc. So it ties in with the Garifuna struggle because Garifuna people are indigenous. We are indigenous. So, we, the way I see this is that the uh, same rights that the Mayans are fighting for, the Mayas are fighting for, Garifuna people need to join the fight and, uh, to me, even make a class action suit with the Mayas because it's the same, we suffer from the same issue. We're being marginalized because mm -hmm. of our way of life. We are discriminated against. 
uh, no matter in, in which country we are, where the, the, the uh, indigenous people are always discriminated against uh, in favor of big business and, and development, and they have no say in it. Thankfully, we have documents which we can turn to to help us to have a say. Okay. Um, I totally agree with you on that. I think one of the things that I have um, always maintained and said is that the Mayan, and this is, the Mayan struggle is not just a Mayan struggle. It's not, in a, it's not an anomaly. It's not a, in isolation. It has to be a struggle for all beliefs. Because at the end of the day, when you really look at the, the, the archaic land laws that we have in Belize, it, it's, it's ludicrous to suggest that, that, um, that, that it's only the Mayas that, that have issues with, with, with land. Look at, look at um, Nigel Petillo down there. You know, he, Nigel Petillo with his group is having the same issues. And, and so the point I'm making is that, that we all as we, we all as Belizeans need to challenge the validity of these these archaic land laws that continue to marginalize not only the Mayas, the Garifunas, but all groups who want to own and um, get lands. Because like I said, look at Nigel Petillo, his group. And so we need to really look at how we you know, we you know we address the struggle and I want we need to have a commonality and a common approach so that when we when we uh, when we challenge these things we have a united front. But will um, yeah. What are you doing this morning, well, brother? So explain to me uh, what exactly is it that you are. Uh, how do you I see that, yeah, Go ahead. I, I, I would like to say that, uh, you know, let's say the Creole people, the people living in the River Valley, are no different from the people, from the Maya people living in southern Belize. In the fact that the struggle that they have is, uh, in my opinion, would be the same. Now, I think that what the Creole people and other ethnic groups should do is take a page from the Maya. And generally, they need to identify their leaders, like Greg Chuck is uh, one of the Mayan leaders, uh, Christina, uh, the people who have stepped up to the place to, to lead the Maya fight. And the other ethnic groups in Belize need to take a page from the Maya people and begin their fight for, to save their pride and their dignity and their land, just like the Maya people have done. Because if you go to the Belize, in the Belize River Valley today, they have similar struggles. Many people in there don't have um, land titles. Many people in there are living on communal land um, in the Belize River Valley. Uh, many people are waking up every day and seeing strangers in their community. And, you know, I mean, we have to respect and apply the Maya first. Standing up and saying, look, enough is enough. We're not going to allow people to come into our community and just uh, exploit our resources. I mean, if it's happening, it has happened right now where all of the resources in the Belize River Valley have been extracted and nothing was said, and the people in the Belize River Valley are still poor today. Now, in my opinion, the Maya caught it early enough before all the resources are gone. But we still have to support the Maya in defending these resources because people are trying to come and strong it from them. It's like me going to your house saying, okay, I like this so far, I'll take it. I like your bedroom set, I'll take it, and you're standing there and not doing anything. That is what has, this, that has happened to the Creoles in Belize River Valley. All the chicle came out of there, all the maha, lots of mahogany came up from Alfaro, but the Galangel, who are the Creoles who are really hauling them out for BEC, the European company, right? Who got rich mm-hmm. and who remained poor? In Toledo, um, in this oil situation, you think that when they do that oil, most of the Maya people will 
get their fair share or believe that people, oh, we're not going to get our fair share. So it's the purpose that we fight together now, side by side with the Maya people, and the Garifuna people, all ethnic groups, to ensure that we all get our fair share of this fight. I mean, after all, the oil is for us to believe their people. Indeed. If Greg and them did not step up, I mean, probably oil would be pumping now, and people would still be poor, malnourished, and uneducated. Because that's what the big boys wanted. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think what happened, uh, you know, Will, you, you, you hit a very salient point that we we have to have this, like I said, a, a common approach towards it. But, Greg, let me ask you, as far as the Myers are concerned, how do you guys see the struggle, in, in, you know, from, from what's your perspective as it as relates to the other ethnic groups who, who, who share, who supports you in solidarity? How do you, how, what's your approach, what, what is it with the Myers approach on that? Greg, are you there? No, I think we lost him. Let me try and get him back. Okay. Okay, well, while, while Joseph tried to get him back, Will, um, what are some of the things that you're doing to try to educate people that, about the commonality of the struggle that we have? Well, um, I, I use social media a lot, as you guys can see. Um, last week, like, I, I don't know, I said to you know, about, you know, these Chinese companies. You go in the community, uh, and just for uh, Joseph, are you Joseph Guerrero? Which Joseph yeah. is on? Yeah, Joseph is on. His, I think we lost. We lost. Hi, okay, we're back. To, okay. Okay, oh. we're back. Oh, sorry about that. Will, Will, hold that thought. Let me just get back with Gregorio. I was asking you. I don't know if you heard the last part of Will's comment and and um and Joseph Guerrero's. But my my question to you was, what are the Mayas doing to build alliances with other like-minded ethnic groups that see the struggle as a national issue as opposed to just being a Maya issue? Okay, um, I'm glad that that, that question has uh, has arisen. And one of the things that um, that I believe the political leaders of this country have used to label the Mayan people's struggle is that of uh, tribalizing it, place it within ethnic uh, mm-hmm. lines, mm-hmm. and uh, more mm-hmm. politically looking it at separatist or balkanization of, of Belize. The, and I, I just got back from a gathering of a multi-ethnic group today, and one of the fundamental things that I believe is that the struggle of the Maya people is a Belizean people's struggle. We are losing our autonomy. We are losing our country to religious, political interests, foreign interests, business interests, cultural interests, language interests, and uh, our our political leaders are part and parcel of the, 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 the process to strip away those inalienable rights that we have as Belizeans. What we do in this country as Maya people is to say that we will not tolerate that. We will do whatever it takes to defend our culture, our language, our land, our economy, our political, our 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 politics, our judicial systems, our our um, social structures. That is what we are doing. When 
I look at the, the other Belizean across this country. It is not that their conditions is any different than the Maya people. It is the same. The only difference that I see is that collectively the Maya people have said we must defend, we must ensure that the legacy of resistance, the legacy of autonomy is preserved. So in, the, in answering that question, we need to look at the larger Belizean groups, whether it's the Creole, the East Indian, the, the Garifuna, the, the, those that are, 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 are the, the original integral part of the nationhood of Belize, need to begin to ask themselves questions. And that question is, who is going to help us defend what we deem as our inalienable rights? The politicians don't care. The business interests don't care. So it has to be the people themselves. The people must save the people. So I believe while we may not, I may not have, have had the opportunity or have created the opportunity to speak on these issues at the national level, that is because even within the Maya community, not anyone, not anybody will step up and lead the charge regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of the, the how you imperil your life and that of your family, the character assassination, the, 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 the dispersing that happened, the name calling, those things is not anything that anybody can take. But you must have conviction. I, am, I still await for leaders to emerge across this country who will defend by any means necessary their communities, their people's interests. If I take it to, let's say, any, any, beside the Maya village, I can go to any uh, non-Maya community across this country. They suffer the same injustices that we suffer. But we have been led to believe that, as, uh, that, that uh, um, we can prosper by ourselves and that we don't need our community. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, even within these communities, there is no consensus on how to address the challenges, the difficulties that they are in as a result of the policies of the state, the policies of our political leaders. So I believe that, as Will says, don't look at what the Mayans are doing as the Mayan. I don't have the liberty and the time to go and preach about why we're doing what we're doing. Perhaps it needs to get done, but because we have very limited amount of people that have stepped up to lead the charge. You know, sometimes I, I, I stay up late in the night, they do press release, they do everything that needs to get done because there is nobody to do it. And if, I, if there were more people that understand why things have to be done the way it has to be done, then probably we have a greater opportunity to discuss and engage in debate in forums 
for the larger Belizean uh, society to understand, appreciate that we are creating the road, we are creating the platform from which they themselves can, can demand the rights. Because what we are demanding is nothing that is privileged. It is not a, a gift that we are ask, asking the state to give us. It is in the books. It is, in, it is captured in the constitution of this country. It is captured in all the laws of this country. And that has been the fundamental problem. We have beautiful laws in this country. What good is it when we selectively apply them to advance the interests of those who have the resources who sit in parliament and not to advance the interests of the poor people of this country? So that is what we are doing. If you look at Southside Belize City, their reality, the people in Southside Belize City, their reality is no different than us. But what will it take for them to, to really rally together and demand that greater investment? Because if you look at it, we fight to preserve our land because that's where our livelihood is. Our livelihood is we go to the, to, to the field, we, 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 we cultivate, we get wild vegetables, we hunt a little bit of game, we go fish in the river. That's where our livelihood is. The same way in Belicity. These guys, they, they, they probably they spread a load of sun or then they, then they broke rock or they, then, they, then, they, then they cut yard. That is their way of life. Now, people might say, like Michael Perafit, that uh, and they use it conveniently. If you listen to the house, one party, they say, oh, they broke rock, job you to give them. The next one said, no, it has dignity. You know, they play us. But we must also understand that we have an obligation, we have a right to demand that we have a livelihood, if, if it's in Belize City, if it means meaningful employment, if it means long-term employment, we should demand long-term employment, not one-day, two-day job, the way the I government is doing right now to appease everybody. This morning... This morning, Nobody step up to the plate. 
And, you uh-huh. know, so that's why we have to take a page from the mind and do what they're doing now before it's too late because if, if, if Greg decides to back off now or and, and do nothing, 50 years from now, we'll be in the same position like the Creoles are in the Bermuda River Valley or the Carolinas are down south here. You know, that's so interesting. Will, of trying, because you know, some people are saying, oh, the Mayans want everything. No, we should take a piece from their book. Let me ask you a question, oh, Greg, because, I mean, well, not Greg, I mean, um, Joseph, what are some of the potential or will? Anyone of you could answer this. Feel free to, feel, I want you to, let me just get, okay, are you listening to Greg, Greg, Gregory Chuck from Satin? You're listening to Will Mejia from PNP and the Belize Territorial Volunteers and, and activist Joseph Guerrero from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, you're live on the Hubert Piper, they're live on the Hubert Pipersburg show. If you want to call in and you want to listen to the discussion on your cell phone, feel free to call in. Uh, call call 213-943-3434. Um, and also you can listen to by Skype BTR Listener. That's BTR Listener 052. That's the Skype address for you to um, ch- for you to listen to, to these three gentlemen um, discuss some of the challenges facing the, you know, the Belizeans. In, in Belize. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong number. If you want to call in, it's 714-242-6119. Again, 714-242-6119. If you want to listen via cell phone, if you want to listen by Skype, BTR listener, 052. Now, um, anyway, brothers, don't feel free to jump in. You don't have to wait for questions from me. Let's, we can make it into a discussion where you guys can participate along the lines like that. Now, the question I had, though, was, Essentially, what are some of the leaders that you are aware of, Joseph or Will or Gregorio, that besides Maya that, that that want to step up, that are stepping up? Sorry for the leaders, Creole. You know, besides the you know case, besides um, mm-hmm. you, you know something, Hubert. I think um, I have postulated this in social media that I think one of the problems, the biggest problems with the Garifuna leadership, is that they are mostly in one of the political parties in Belize. And there may be a situation whereby they depend on this political party. They become dependent on them. And so a lot of the initiative, such as what I see in Greg, who was inspirational for me to get into this issue on the, on the behalf of Garifuna people, um, is his initiative. And I think that um, the Garifuna people, uh, the leadership, have not really stepped up to the plate and led because in the last 30 years or so, the Garifuna culture seemed to have dissipated even more than it had previously. So the United, uh, I brought this issue to the uh, Executive Council of the United Garifuna Association Incorporated. I drove from Pennsylvania to Brooklyn to attend the meeting, and I brought this up to them. I told them this is an issue that we have to look into. You know, why is it that the Garifuna people, uh, we're not going to the farms like we used to? We're not fishing like we used to? Yes, those things are still done. Uh, But at one point, the entire community was self-sufficient. Um, and that is changing a lot, and we have to look at the reasons why. And I think one of the major reasons why 
is because the land that we once held, uh, we no longer have. And even, I think, some of the Carib Reserve is being uh, utilized uh, 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 or sold out uh, to corporations, to some companies. I, I understand some things are going on, but I don't want to say anything yet because I, 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 am not, I don't have all the information. But as I said earlier, when you take the land away from indigenous people, the land that they depend on, that they live on, the land which perpetuates their, their very culture, their heart, their soul, the people will lose it. And there is nothing there to replace it. Nothing. So um, I think if we, the Garisana people, do not step up, get on the bandwagon with the Mayans, we have a lot to lose. And in the meanwhile, we should not let the Mayas go at this alone because we have an interest as well. We're indigenous people. We depend on the land for our culture, for our livelihood. And so Mr. Greg Chuck, through the years, has been an inspiration for me to bring this issue to the Garifuna community as well. Mm-hmm. Will, you know, I know you, I've been in the bush with you. I've been on, you know, on, on hikes in the bush. We've, 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 we've extensively looked at how the border of our country has been compromised by you know by 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 peasant invasion from Guatemala, which is which are essentially seeking the same thing that we're discussing here, land. Well, and you know, we, peasants, you know, these rich Guatemalans who have not peasants like I always say, the people are the clearing forests and making huge pastures and the Halafe and some the center borderline. They're not Mayas. They are real European Guatemalans who see themselves as huge cataractors inside the Indian territory. You know. It's a different thing if it's like, you know, the Mayas coming across and, you know, very close and stuff. But a lot of these lands, when you really look at it, you know, guys walking around with a nine on them side, it's not the typical Mayan guy you find out in the there. These guys are, you know, European descendants. Yeah. You know, Greg, um, I know I, I know you're aware of Julian Cho because that's how, what, that's how I had gotten... Uh, that's how I became aware of this issue because by by Julian Cho internationalizing it, taking it to Washington D.C. and getting allies and like that. What are what are um, what since Will brought this up? I wanted to know what are the Mayas doing with other like say with other ethnic groups, other indigenous Mayas like in neighboring Guatemala. Like, have you reached out to like Rigoberto Menchu, Nobel laureate Rigoberto Menchu? How can they help? help the Belizean Mayas to, to internationalize the struggle and bring more pressure to bear on these uh, transnational companies that like to come into these small countries and exploit them? One, one of the things that I have done is uh, we've, we have engaged our Guatemalan counterparts uh, in the civil society sector, no? uh, indigenous organization, mostly Kekchi because there's about a 1.5 million Kekchis on the Guatemalan side and about uh, 16,000 on the Belize side. What we have done is we have taken Belize and Kekchi into Guatemala to see the conditions of these communities, to, to hear the stories of rape and murders, assassinations, and... Uh, I, I used to be I used to bring those stories to the community. I used to, and you, we need to understand that there are powerful external forces at play here that to discredit the
the leadership to discredit me, to, to, to find every way to undermine my credibility uh, and what I stand for. So I recognize that I could no longer just bring the story, so I have started to take them into Guatemala. And when we go to communities and communities are crying in front of the leaders, saying they just killed my son two, two months ago, he was gone down right here, and that have a fundamental impact on the leadership. And I'm still trying to get more resources to take and have these experiences because what we have here, we take for granted. And uh, I, I, it, it's, it's a process, it, it's a way of building uh, the, the, the communities, empower them to know that if we don't take the measures that we are taking today, if we don't fully embrace it, that we will be like our brothers in Guatemala. So one of the things that we are planning, and uh, again, uh, it's still at a, at a discussion stage, is an international summit, an international Kekchi summit that will stem from Petén, Alta Verapaz, Baja Verapaz, and Toledo. Uh, it's something that I think co- communities, and I think um, communities on both sides of the border have set up different mechanism to defend themselves, to protect their interests, and uh, we are not cross-fertilizing that idea, no? so mm-hmm. that we can collectively document and, and, and have other indigenous communities look at what and how we have been defending ourselves, that they themselves can learn. Uh, because, like the story, if you look at our story, um, because we are so, we are in the trenches, we we only use the media to, to, to give synopsis of what is happening. We haven't re- we haven't been telling our story to 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 in the form that, that I think will capture the, the 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 imagination of other communities around the world. No? So th- that is one of the things that we're looking at to, to really have greater collaboration with uh, communities and organizations uh, um, across the border. Yeah, you know, um, Will, you know, I think one of the things you mentioned that, um, you know, I want to get back to that issue on the fishermen. I need some clarity. What is stopping the Garifuna brothers from going to fishing? I mean, the sea is there. I mean, you don't have the resources. What, what, what seems to be the issue there? Why they can't go out and still live off the, you know, the traditional, you know, what they used to live off the land? What, what is seems to be inhibiting them from doing that? Um, then that's, that's the four million dollar question you were. I mean, like, look at the village of Paranco. That is one of the most educated village councils in the world. They got two doctors on it, and the other councillors, uh, I'm sure, are well educated too. Yes, it is one of the poorest and most undeveloped communities in the Southwest. So, it, it, I, I don't know how to answer that question, really. Uh, but well, are there any leaders that you can identify who, who might, you know, who just needs more alliance in Toledo or in, or in Dangriga? Are there any leaders that, that, that maybe have the ideas but they don't have enough resources to even do like what the Mayas are doing or need encouragement? I, I, like no, you know? no, Hubert, Hubert, there needs to be some organization. And uh, the United Garifuna Association is a part of, what, of a new group uh, that's called the Garifuna Nation. 
and uh, we're having a summit soon in New York. The idea is to do exactly what uh, Greg Chuck was saying, which is that we're going to have an international movement where we uh, are aware of the problems going on with Garzana people, uh, wherever they are, whether it be in uh, Yurume, now known as St. Vincent, or, or Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, Belize. And we're all, we all seem to be having the same problem, land and discrimination, because we are distinct from the uh, local culture. We're distinct. So there's uh, discrimination there, and our land rights, our indigenous rights, are not respected by the government. And there seems to be a lack of um, organizing and using the system in order to protect our rights. So I know in terms of where I see the problems with uh, Garifuna people are, we need to, to use the system correctly to advance our rights so that we can maintain our way of living, our way of life. And not only that, we want to control the communities uh, you know, the schools that our children attend, we think that we should have a right to teach strictly in Garifuna. And, uh, you know, other students who want to attend may attend and learn Garifuna as well. But uh, that, that's, that's a part of, uh, you know, being indigenous people. You should have the right to self-determination, which is also uh, uh, one of the articles in the, in the, rights, the Declaration on the uh, uh, Rights of Indigenous Peoples from the U.N., so when indigenous people can control their lands where they live, they will uh, perpetuate their culture and they can pass it on to their children. Because why should everybody be urbanized? I don't want to be urbanized. I don't want to be urbanized. Doesn't mean I don't respect the urban, urbanized uh, arena, but my children, myself, uh, uh, my, my, my future uh, descendants, should be, should, should be Garifuna. That's, that's who we are. I don't want to be Creole. I respect Creole. I love Creole. Hopefully they love me as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the best things about life is our differences. And we can appreciate it, and we can love it, and we can work together and live in the same world. We have to share the same world. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give my perspective on that question that you asked you about. And uh, this is my personal perspective, no? Uh, and I think this is uh, across all ethnic indigenous groups um, in Belize and perhaps around the world. The system of education, the policies of uh, our country and countries around the world has done a good job in alienating us from who we really are. Uh We've been so much alienated that we no longer have a dream. We live on the dreams of others. We live on the dream of the economic interest that comes in to our country. We, li- we live on the dreams of politicians and, 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 and the political directorate of our country. We don't have our dream of our own. 
And that is one of the reasons, and if I can say this in, in some of in the Maya communities, they say, you know what, um, the food you eat is not good. It's primitive. You're supposed to eat the garbage that gives you hypertension, diabetes, and high blood pressure, and all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in terms of the other indigenous communities. If you look at the, the Garifuna, why are not fishing? Because it's not a status activity. Mm-hmm. A fisherman yeah. is looked upon. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. we don't have a dream. Yeah. And when I go to my communities, when I go across my community, I said, you know what? I ask three fundamental questions. Who were we? Who are we? And who are we going to be? And in line with that, I have also asked, and I've also insisted on the people that I work with, we must not be afraid, we must not be ashamed, but most of all, we must dream. We must have a dream. And that fundamentally is the way forward for, I think, to reorganize and reconfigure people of this country, indigenous people, to move forward with yeah. You know, I, I have traveled uh, extensively with Wilma here, um, and I saw firsthand where, you know, where, where he was, dis- where, you know, where, you know, the encroachment from, 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 from Guatemala, you know, by, 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 not by the campesinos, by campesinos, but like, 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 um, will suggest it not necessarily Mayas per se, but campesinos nonetheless. And you know the the open, the, the, you know I saw where they, they were casting nets up to 100 feet long. A lot of these nets are illegal. Right there, the mouth of the Sarstun, where Belize have a natural border with Guatemala. Right in front of Barranco. Right. Right in front of Barranco. Right there, we started. I mean, it was it was appalling to see. Not nobody was there to stop them. Nobody was. It was like it was like open season. Anything goes. And I was thinking to myself, and from once you pass Barranco. Dong in PG, Toledo District there. Once you pass Bronco, it's nothing but open land all the way to, as far as I could see, beautiful beach side, as far as I could see, and all the way down to the mouth of the Sarstoon River there. And I, it, 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 I asked myself, why is it that, you know, as, 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 as Belizeans who, who, you know, we, we seem to be crowding ourselves in these little, in like, like, um, Joseph to be urbanized and, and um, uh, Greg touching it. We we want to be, be in these little communities of where 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 we packed in when all this is available. It seems seemingly well, they're going to mall. Seems to. Why is it that we're not taking advantage of this? What's stopping us? I I I think you you said natural border. I just want to say here that the foreign minister of this country and the attorney general says we don't have a natural border, we have an artificial border. Yeah, I remember that, Greg. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember but, that. But going back to the point, no? <laughs> going back to the point, I, I think that, um, that if you look at the laws of this country, it is to restrain the people of this country. And the experience that I've been having in the Sarasun Timash National Park and across this country is that, I, and I said this at my press conference, in 2005, 2006, when we, I launched the first litigation against the government, our people used to ask, well, why are we protecting this in the first place? You know, why do we protect it? We are not used to having a protected area or a national park, 
it is part and parcel of the, the thinking and the culture of the community that we take from it what we need. But obviously, as I said earlier, the system has done a good job in dismantling the mindset of people that some will plunder what we have now. And I think the organization has a significant role to regulate, to ensure that that doesn't happen. But more importantly, the question that has arisen now is, who are we protecting these areas for and who are we protecting it from? Obviously, what has transpired across this country by the policy of the state has demonstrated we are not protecting it for Belize. We are not protecting it for the people that live around the protected areas. We are not protecting it for the people of this country. We are protecting it from the very people that need to have a livelihood with, with, with those areas because that's where they used to find their livelihood even before these protected areas were, were, were established. But what has shown, what has been demonstrated now, is that we are protecting it for the multi-million dollars that comes in, some of them, um, don't have a penny in their, in their bank account. When they get a production sharing agreement from the government, then they go and raise the money at the international level. You know, we are protected for them. The things that are denied of the people in the Sassoon Timash National Park, by law, it is being allowed by the state. So, on a selective application of the law, is a violation of the rights of those who have been denied access to that area. And this is the fundamental injustices that we seek to remedy through the legal process. But I have said publicly already that when the legal redress is exhausted, I have tried to constrain the emotions of people that I work with, but there will come a time that it could be confrontational. You know, yeah, but I, I would have I would have played my part to ensure that we've tried everything because at some point in time, people will react. When were man no got nothing for eat, my brother, in Southside Blee City, like you see there, mm-hmm. the crime rate has skyrocketed in 23rd. Why? It's a mixture of people. Livelihood, whether it's legal or illegal, people need to put something on the table for their family. They need to feed themselves. As I said, whether it's illegal or legal, you know, it, 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 it results in criminal activity, violence that this country cannot afford to have on its hands. Will, Will you were, you, Will, you were about to say something. Go ahead, Will. You wanted to butt in there. Yeah, yeah, no, I great cover is uh, you know, we, we have to stand up for what we believe in and if a, a man is hungry and that's what we have to eat inside that park, then we have to do it. The thing is that what we have to do is focus a lot or more on educating the public because every well, instead of coming to it, the politicians, both PUP and UDP are famous for doing this, on Christmas time coming out and giving ham and turkey. 
when they get to the villages, they give out rice and beans and that kind of stuff. Why don't they, why don't, why don't, why do we in this country, in Toledo district today, have to be importing Mennonite chicken? I mean, where it is one of the most, uh, uh, you know, I, I, and, you know, I know Greg is in the struggle. He can't do it by himself. Um, but at least that's a start. Other people got to step up to the place because one of the most disgusting things, I go to Quilkes Sarko and I see the Mennonite sign there. It's more rampant than Coca-Cola right now. We are eating those infested chickens. That's what 20 years ago, Belize did, Toledo District did not need a dialysis machine. Today we need about five. People are dying every day from eating these poisonous foods that's being rammed down our throats. And that's where I think the health ministry and the education ministry need to be focusing on. You know that in Belize, we consume, 300,000 people consume over a million packs of ramen noodles every month. Now tell me if that's what we need to tell us. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's the mention of such things, you know? That, I mean, that, that's, that's possibly close. I mean, look, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I remember when Will and I, we went down to the, we, we passed from this, on the sea, when we were in the Caribbean Sea, the, the, the part that Greg is talking about, the, the Temash National Park Reserve. And Will, do you recall that area right there where you said that's where all, that's the area that, you know, out by the sea there where you could look into the land where that's where the rich, the rich deposits of what oil is allegedly is, and that's where U.S. capital is trying to fight for also to exploit down that thing there. So the resources are there. We just have to fight for it. And, and money is out there. We need to put this in the hands of the people. The people, there's the oil is not going to be well, There's not a rush to get it out from there. People, the communities, the indigenous people, need to find a way of accepting this instead of allowing foreigners to come into our country and extract it. We go into right now, and there's about two or three mega miles going up into one of the poorest communities here. And who's this owned and run by? Chinese. How do they build it? They go into our forest, the Maya forest, took off the rosewood, sold it to China, and building these mass, uh, miles in these communities. Right now it's happening as we speak. Now, you see something? Well, what is happening uh, as well as speaking, it's obvious that for that to take place, the government has to be complicit and give, exactly. uh, they have to give permits for them to do no that. Question. Mm-hmm. And they're doing so without uh, consulting the people who are affected by the deforestation and the logging uh, uh, of the natural resources in Belize. And this is part of the problem that I, I think that Mr. Chuck is fighting because the government just does things without consulting them and without getting their input and without any, any kind of uh, uh, study to see how it would affect them, the people who live there. At the very least, you should consult the people. And if anything is to become of the resources on the land on which they live and depend on, why should they not get a part of it? In the, in the uh, press conference, Mr. Pyrefite, mm-hmm. he sounded so pompous. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's horrible. But he sounded so pompous talking about the Mayans only want money. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem about money. And I say this, okay, let's say it was only about money. So what? Are you saying they're not entitled to anything from the resources from their land? 
get real. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Greg. Let me ask you, where do we go from here as far as the litigation? Because look, I remember when Abdullah Conte, the brilliant chief justice that we had, you know, he did the research and was able to find precedent to 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 align the cause of the Mayas as far as um, you know the indigenous rights for, to the, 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 the to the ancestral lands. Where this government, I remember that the, the, this particular government, the prime minister was on record before he became the prime minister, where he, he, he pledged solidarity with the Mayas. But as soon as he got into power, this, you know, this, he seemed to be a very litigious fellow. He fights, he loves litigation, and that, that can go wrong and that, that, in, 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 that enriched his minions. But I'm not, I'm not really going to pick on that per se. The point I'm making is all this litigation, who really is benefiting from all this litigation? Greg? Right? The prime minister. <laughs> because the, there is supposedly a ministry that is staffed with attorneys paid for by Belizean taxpayers to defend the interests of the state that for any litigation that may be brought up against the state but the Prime Minister have opted to source outsourced uh, selective attorneys to to fight the government's case. So obviously, a common person without any knowledge of if they if you tell them this is what is happening, you know you 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 know you know find a smoking gun, you know, but. The evidence is there as who appears before the court to represent the government. And they are not public servants. They, they are consultants being paid. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously yeah. there's a reason for, doing, for maintaining the status quo. And this is, this is wrong. Yeah, Will, you it's were politically saying... politically wrong, it's, it's legally wrong, and it's morally wrong. Indeed, I agree with you, Greg. You know, that's what I find interesting about the whole thing, because I said, look, all this litigation, and who's paying for it at taxpayers? Because, look, at the end of the day, um, and we're going to take a break in a minute, gentlemen, after this coming here, so we can catch our breath and come back with this very, very important discussion that we're having. But let me just say this. All this litigation that we see coming out of this government here to fight this, you have the chip registry, you have BTEL. I mean, it, it seems to me it's, it's, it's the most, Litigious government regime that I've seen in the history of Belize, and who is benefiting from all of these things? Because you can't tell me that any that the average garden variety type Belizean, the, the poor working class majorities, the, 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 the are benefiting. Because where in the name of Star Nation do we nationalize a telephone company? Who benefits from that? Certainly not the people. You know, why would you want a national? That's just one example of what I'm saying that this continuous litigation that this that this regime led by Mr. Barrow continued to do over and over, and who's benefiting from it? Because it's not certainly not for the interest of the state. Because were you you fighting the Mayas down south for 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 the ancestral lands and for whatever resources is found that you say you want the state to benefit? But at the end of the day, look at the percentage that the, that the state is getting. It's ludicrous, man. I looked at the agreement that they signed with the, the, the oil people from Spanish Dakota, and it's almost laughable when you think about what, what, these go, what these politicians have done to this country and saying that they're doing it in the name of the state. And the percentage that we get back from the oil, Will, we had a conversation about this 
Remember, Will? We were discussing yep. about over a billion dollars we have garnered, we have found in, in oil in Belize. And what, what do we have to show for it? They're still in Belize. You know, you, know what, you know what we show for it? What we show for it is a dilapidated highway from Spanish Lookout to Big Creek, yep. where the tankers go. Exactly, and still over a billion dollars worth of oil, and still every day in Belize, I come across people who would like to be in school and just cannot afford to be in school. That and that's what we have to do with over a billion dollars worth of oil. Mm-hmm. Well, tell you what, gentlemen, let's take a let's take a quick break, and we come back. And um, you guys mind holding on for you know a couple of minutes? We're gonna take a quick break and come back and uh, with this discussion, okay, brothers? Okay. 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 All right.
and 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 and, and make us live good, if I use that term, no. They are the, they they redeem us from the poverty and the the misery that we have. They fail to give us the opportunity to improve ourselves through our means, through collaboration, through there are other mechanisms for economic development. It, it, it doesn't have to be direct investment. You know, there can be joint venture, there can be partnership, there can be uh, community-based social enterprise. There's so much way that, that Belize can develop. Indeed, I agree with that. Other countries around the world have, have, have an, engaged in that. So, but I believe more importantly, it's not that they don't realize it. It is, it is what comes with the, the, the office that they hold and the influence that generates the self-interest that, that, uh, that, that generates um, um, opportunities for them. So if I can take, for example, um, uh, when these guys sit down with investors and, and, and all the things that they must do. It's, you ask any Belizean, there's so much corruption. So every, any Belizean would tell you, you know, then guys have something where go under the table. You know? So it's not, so they, they put their self-interest before the national interest and thereby try to redefine the law that already exists on the books by by providing for those investors that come in to do, to violate the law, by trying to redefine the law. And this is where the problems come in. In the past, it's, it's not that this just continues to happen, you know. This has been happening from way back. If you look at where the political parties, the politicians get their resources to, 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 to do the national campaign at election time, I don't think then guys they take it out of their pocket. No, no, no question. Obviously not. But um, two million dollars, three million dollars check. So they have to pay back the people that give the money, and there is a need for uh, reform with respect to disclosing where you get your money for your campaign. And I think it is important because we need to move away from this uh, uh, system where the the, the, the people that have the money will forever control those that we elect and by, by doing so they, they, they find ways to violate the very law that are on the books that they have insisted way back that we must follow uh-huh. you know and, and I think that we, there's, the time has come to reconfigure, to restructure the economic equation in this country and that is what I am trying to do in terms of the work we do that, if, uh, let's take for example the village council. We have local governments across this country via the village council act that gives the community, empowers the community to have their local government system. But what has been lacking is the government take away the money. So it means the license, the trade license, and everything that the, the community can collect, the state continues to take that. So the oh. Dengueo power but then take away the resources that allow you to exercise and the machinery of that gov- local government to operate. 
So what we, in fact, are trying to do in the South is to say, no, no, we need the resources in the community. The resources, whatever that may be, the financial resources must go to the communities. But likewise, the community must be prepared to have the systems in place to ensure accountability, transparency, yeah. um, um, so that it can work for the benefit of that community. And I think, to a large extent, the political directorate of this country wants to keep the resources to themselves so that we have to go and beg them, I want a scholarship from the data, or I want a piece of land, and what, what they do say in return, all right, you vote for me, or you do this for me, I will do this for you. You know, they begin to, to, to use our money as if, as, as, as if though that it belongs to them. It, is, it does not belong to them. So they are bothering with us with our money. Depending the creation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, one no, no, of the things... Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Let, we'll get in for a second. Go ahead, Will. Yeah. One of the things that we must uh, take into consideration here is the Malaysian people, the public servants. And let me call out Wilbur Sabino. He's the chief forest officer. Um, in fact, the whole Ministry of uh, Forestry Industries and Sustainable Development Regulation is one of the most educated ministry in terms of people who supposedly have formal education so they know right from wrong and when you have the you can't really blame the politician I mean yes the politician is to blame but he cannot stand alone so these Belizean people so called Belizean people need to stand up to the politicians but instead to be in the good books of the politicians they uphold the politicians what they're doing, and a lot of them are just playing for themselves. We, the Belizean people, you take a job with public service, you need to be held accountable. So many hustling, so much hustling is going on. Even the other day on the radio, you heard when they, um, one of the heirs called the land officer, and I'm sure that money that land, that land officer hustled did not end up in the land minister's pocket, ended up in his own pocket. We have become a country of criminals. Everybody feels like it's okay to break the law in this country, you know, and we need to hold people accountable. Why is it that Wilbur Sabino, who is so educated, who knows the law, who knows what's right and wrong, does not enforce the law? He's got to be benefiting somewhere. I'm sure he's not stupid, you know. So, and you see day in and day out, and I'm only using that ministry because I am more familiar with it, but I'm sure across the board, uh, and at the end of the day, it's us to believe that people who get hurt because of those behaviors. Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting they're educated, you know, but they don't have principles. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. have principles. They don't have conviction. Because, you know, the thing is, if you have conviction, you have principles that, that guide your life you, by that. You know, it goes back. Standing up to the politician requires conviction, requires having a man of, being a man of integrity and principle, you know, so to say, no, that is not how the system works, you know? And, but like what Will said, it's not only the public servant. The, the, there, are, there are leaders within, the civil, the, the, within civil society in this country that prefer to, to say nothing, rub shoulder with the politician, the politician when there is a, banquet here, a meeting yeah, there, yeah. they're the ones that are, that are invited. You know, 
Mm-hmm. The thing is, what I have said is, you want to lead this country or you want to lead an organization, you must take yourself out of politics, take yourself out of religion, take yourself out of this, this anything that would influence you from a particular within the, 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 the politics of the state, the, the, the organs of the state, from being uh, used to advance the, the interests of, of the political directorate of this country. Yeah. They're, they're not sincere. I mean, look at these people who, like, this, this young boy, I'm so surprised. And I, I'm not afraid to call the news, Michael Bling, that came and was part of Poland and was a bunch of the civil society group. Now, all of a sudden, now, he's a PUP. There's nothing that has changed with the PUP. The PUP are the same PUP like they were five years and ten years ago that got this country to express. And it's the same thing with the UDP. The PUDP system is the same system. So yeah. it's like, you know, like, like, like gang warfare or, or, or this tribe or this, this, the police here, the next tribe or the next year. That's the stuff that we got to stop. We have to stop this madness. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things, uh, Greg, um, Greg uh, Joseph and Will, we see that mm-hmm. we, we see that we are actually seeing Greg touching it, Will, you touching it. Uh, so did you, Joe. The fact that our system needs a serious fundamental reform because otherwise we continue to chase our tail. And, and the fact that you have this is a, it's a so, it's such an obvious paradox. Here we, on the one hand, we complain that we're such a poor country, we don't got resources, yet still we can export a billion dollars in resources outside of the country. You know, if, if that's not madness, then I don't know what how you can define insanity because here well, you are crying. Yes. Uh-huh. Let's look at this, uh, the Belize uh, natural energy, for example, of what Gregory Chuck was saying. And what you're saying, Hubert, they export a billion dollars worth of natural energy out of Belize. And what good has come of that for Belize? And when you contrast that with uh, uh, what is that, the energy company that's there in uh, 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 Sarstoon now? Are we to expect the same thing? They're going to say, oh, it's for development, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. When they export, what is, what is there to show for it? If we had something to show for it, and if we got value for our money, I would understand that the government does need to do these things, and, but working with the people, but there's nothing to show for it. For the country, at least, what has the country gotten uh, because of Belize natural energy? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Will may know what, what became of any of the income from B&E. I don't know. Well, there are lots of foreigners right now who have became millionaires. There was a whole article in the Irish Times uh, I think last year about the amount of people right now that started living in the Mediterranean because they had invested in B&E. And there are no multi-millionaires about sitting on the beach in the Mediterranean. And those are the kinds of things that we allow to happen in this country while the region is being poor. So that's why we, we have to actually believe all of the youth should be championing the, right behind Jacob, shoulder to shoulder with Jacob right now. Because what we have an opportunity right now is to Stop what happened in Spanish because it's not happening here in Toledo. And yes. like you said, 
if we have to do it by any means necessary, then we need to do it by any means necessary. But we cannot stand there and continue to watch our resources being depleted and we continue to suffer. Um, mm -hmm. So here is an opportunity. Okay, good. If the oil is for the people, let's plan out. Don't think about giving us 5% or 1% or whatever we share you and while everybody is off their way to the town and the believe that people stand behind here and suffer. No, if we need to like, you know, demand our fair share of that and then they'll go come and tell you, oh, I'll give you five cents in the dollar. That's bullshit, you know? Mm -hmm. Indeed. That's a good point you brought up, Will, because I think it's a mere pittance that I was looking at the negotiations for the, the, the Spanish model is, is, is a direct example of what we don't want to occur when, as it relates to what's happening with the, with the exploitation of, of our, our, our resources. When I saw the contract that was fine, Greg, that's when I realized that we have to stand with the Mayas. Even more so now, because it was less than like maybe I think it was like around twelve percent or it, it was I, it was laughable. And then one will when when me and Paco were on our way down to PG, uh, all tank after all tanker was passing us on the way to Big Creek. So it's not a, you know we talk about billions of dollars here, you know, and the Belize people really need to wake up and find out how these politicians that we elect to look out for national interest are actually selling us down the drain for a few dollars more. You know, I probably the length of birth that is country from the real hundred to far soon, and I see the poverty in the rural areas where people are struggling to make ends meet. The everyday reality is more important than them than to get involved in the struggle because they 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 they, they don't have nothing to eat. They they, they try to put food on the table. They got they got menial jobs when they try work just to make ends meet. And here we have we have a, a class in this country that continues to to to. To continues to align themselves with these neoliberal interests that have only one thing, and that's to, the bottom line is to exploit the resources and leave the, the rest of us destitute. So, Greg, one of the things that I saw about, I like your passion because I saw it on TV and I see how they tried to, I, I see firsthand where they tried to, to denigrate you and assault your character and, you know, belittle you as, the, as, as a way of trying to. To, to, to minimize or trivialize the struggle of the Mayas, but I see your amount of integrity, and I know that you will continue to fight and don't let that occur, because you know they're not going to stop with this litigation. I understand they're going to take it all the way to the CCJ, and this is where I have an issue with, and I want you guys to touch in on this. Who is going to, the, the, the Caribbean Court of Justice, that's the final arbiter for Belize's, uh, that's like the Belize's Supreme Court, that's called the United States have the Supreme Court as a final Say well for Belize CCJ. Who are these people, Greg? That sit on these courts? Is there any Belizeans? Who's who's gonna who can who can identify with what the struggle of the Mayas in Belize if it goes to if it goes that far to the CCJ? Um, the, the 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 judges that sit on sit on the Caribbean Court of uh, Justice. I think it's about seven, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. These are judges from the Caribbean uh, countries different countries um, in the Caribbean. Um, I, I don't think that there are any that uh, comes outside of the Caribbean. I, I, I haven't really done much research. Um, but again, the, the rationale by the Caribbean countries for establishing the Caribbean Court of Justice is, was um, that the Privy Council was totally disconnected from the realities of, you know, so, you know, but, but I think, and I don't want to, 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 to um, 
to preempt because obviously the 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 land rights that is currently on appeal is before the CCJ right now. But I think that some of the people that I have researched that sit on the court right now are eminent judges, you know, um, and I think that um, uh, the good side is that there is uh, not the kind of uh, or the level of interference that the, the political directorate may have on the Belize system uh, than on that regional body, no? Uh, I think there is uh, that level of independence, and and I think that I'm not saying or suggesting in any way that the the Supreme Court judges in Belize are are are, are influenced. I think that the politicians in this country tries to influence the direction. I, I I think some of them are people of high integrity. I respect them for that. Uh, Justice Iran, I believe, uh, her judgment. Um, uh, I think uh, while it did not go uh, as far as I would like to, I think it's an enlightened judgment as well. It, it, it's a form that that uh, that um, the the right of free prime from consent exists and is a must in this country. Uh, we can and and anybody can 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 analyze from different perspectives. But I believe that her senses, uh, her, 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 the reason why she ruled the way she ruled is because that the permit that U.S. Capital has, you know, the permit that U.S. Capital has expires at the end of the month here. And the, the government cannot proceed in renewing that permit or issuing another permit without uh, going through a process that would lead to the community giving their free, prior, and informed consent, you know. So I believe that, uh, as I stated uh, before, that um, while we, we wanted for the judge to rule and quash the permit immediately, I think that considering that it's it almost expired, it is one way to demonstrate, I believe. It, might, it could have been that the, the, the judge decided, let's see if these people are really genuine investors. Let's see if they are guided by the rule of law. Let's see what they do within this month. If they proceed unfeathered, obviously, then we can say these guys are of no good to this country. They want to break the law. They don't even have the decency to say, you know what, let's comply let's while we while our permit has not been revoked but we need to do the right thing so we are not and i have said this i take the moral high ground i'm not going to 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 demonize the company they will show who they are by their actions they really and who that they is are. what is happening in the in the community right now the community mm-hmm. have totally gone against them I didn't have to go to the community and tell them don't don't like the company. It is by their action that they are known. And it is that, as a consequence of that, that the community have said, we must fight them. Mm-hmm. You and know? we must and fight I am them. Just the person, right? And I'm, I'm just ensuring that they have the resources 
to do to take to concretize that to put that into motion. Yeah, and, I, and I understand, Greg, that I don't want to necessarily get you to you know to talk about anything in the litigation in front of the you know I don't want you to prejudice anything by saying anything you know that's in front of uh, the, the judge. But mm-hmm. but I find that you know these companies such as U.S. Capital Oil, it's easy not to like them, Greg. You don't have to demonize them because they have ample example. I'll give you a case in point. With, uh, in the um, in the Niger in the Niger area of um, Nigeria, where with the Uganda the people, yeah. the people, where Royal Dutch Oil men have essentially have essentially um, desolated that area, and the the the, the, the poor ethnic Uganda people don't they have nothing to show for it, and you know it's an environmental disaster. So you know the, 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 there's a, there's ample evidence, there's ample evidence out there that these, these transnational companies don't care about anything environmental, local interest. All they do is to enrich their investors on Wall Street and the bottom line. That's it. So you, you don't have to demonize them. They, they do that on their own. But one of the things that I find yeah. interesting is that, that the community down there, what exactly, what, what, what exactly is it that what would you like to see occur in this short-term um. I, 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 we have said this over and over, and I think that um, I was listening to Moe's uh, on Creme Radio on Friday, and I think that he echoed what, um, what, what, and, and, and uh, what I, we have said um, consistently, um, you know, and I think that for, for the company and government officials to say we don't know what they want, they've not been clear. You know, I, I think we have said it over and over, and I think that perhaps we need to say it more. Um, Satim uh, and the community have said that our struggle must be rooted on the principles of the rule of law. The rule of law because in the national interest, the government of Belize and the people of Belize decided to protect a certain area in this country, in this case, the Sarasun Timash, notwithstanding what the value of that land has been to the indigenous people. But in the national interest, we must protect it. We must, we must restrain and we must ensure that certain actions, certain activities does not occur in that area. The communities have sacrificed. Nobody ever asks how has that impact the lives of the people in that area. But they were made to accept that sacrifice. They may, they've made a sacrifice so because we want to be living in a country where we are law-abiding citizens. The law is on the books that we can't do this. Okay, it is accepted. So we must be a, a, a people, a country where the rule of law must prevail. And uh, that is why we have using the judicial system. Then nobody should be above the law. All of us must be equal under the law. The other principle is respect for the rights of indigenous people. We are, we have the same equal rights as any other Belizean, any other human being across the world. We, when we, we were born, we were endowed with uncertain, unalienable rights that we should not ask 
anybody. Uh-huh. By virtue of coming to this world, we have, the international community said, you have an inalienable right that no one should strip you of. And, and that's an agreement Belize is a part of. Exactly. The, 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 the rights continues to be affirmed, not only by the international community, but successive cases before the Supreme Court that have said, notwithstanding, not because you're an indigenous person and that you, the village, own are the land that the government doesn't have a right to protect it because the law say that you have to individualize it. No, no, no. It, as a form of property, that must be protected by the constitution of this country. And in recognizing that, the state is respecting those communities that live that way of life. There's not one way to live life, you know. There's so many ways how we can live life. Indigenous people have a certain way of living. And it's not less than the Western society. In fact, the global community, when you look at RED, when you look at all these global initiatives, it is to go back to what indigenous people have, have had. You go back so to the fundamental, we, yes. Right. So we are saying respect for indigenous people's rights. The third one is environmental justice. We live off the land. Notwithstanding, the state has put in um, rudimentary water system. You go into the rural communities, the children, the women, the washing at the river, then the deep water for drink and bathe and fish. We have not yet alienated ourselves from, from the land. We go fish, we go catch food tests for make we eat, we, we, we farm, we go hunt, we go take wild vegetables, wild fruits. From the, that's our livelihood, that's our market, that's where we, we, we farm a way of life. And we must preserve the integrity of those resources that allow for the livelihood of our people to occur. And it's no different than, as I said earlier, the people in Southside Belize City. They chop yard, they chop this, they do this to survive, to put meals on the on the table for their family. And if they, that is taken away from them, they have a right to defend and protect it because without those um, opportunities, they can't put, put meals and pay the rent and pay the light and water. So it's no different what the indigenous people are, are demanding. Environmental justice. The last one is economic equality. We've seen the poverty in this country and around the world. The, the, the haves and have-not, the space between those two has gone tenfold. It has, the, the separation has really been between as, 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 as day and night. No question. The poor and the rich. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. So we must, as a people, recognize that the economic equation of development, national development, is not working for the larger majority of our people. We must change how we engage in economic development. 
where the people, wherever that economic development occurs, they must reap benefit. But because they are the most people that will be impacted negatively if something should happen, they deserve a better, bigger share of the pie. And there's no question about that. That, that, that Until works. we can change our economic equation, how this country develops, the poor will get poorer, the rich will get richer, and that is what we have said we do not want. We want autonomy, we want the freedom, we have village council, we have the our traditional leaders, give them the resources. We don't have to go and beg government for say, listen, give us some money, make we could function as a village council, function as an alcalde. No, no, no. That's supposed to be a given. Given. I don't want to have to go to a politician and say, uh, give the, the village council for this money to make them could operate and, and manage the affairs uh, of the community. No. If development is going there, if investment is going there, give that community a share. Let it be a, a federated uh, a country where the, com- the company, the, com- the community gets their share. The town gets its shares so that we don't have to beg. We, we, know, we know become our, our people of beggars uh, beholden to our political leaders. I agree. That's, the that's, that's, that's I what think we're want. moving towards that. Yeah, Will. Well, I hear... No, no, I hear no, coming no, no, out. What, Go what ahead, Will. What I want to keep is a society of beggars. Everybody, I mean, you want everything. You have to go to the standard there. You have to go to the ERA. That's ridiculous. They have no expertise in those areas. We need to stop that. And, you know, until we stop that, until the people can make up their own minds and do their own thing, and those so-called educated people need to take some hard stance because they are facilitating a lot of this. Because the land officer or the health um, officer should say, look, you don't need to bring a paper to me from minister this or senator this before I take care of you. I'll take care of you because you have to be that person and you need it and you deserve that right. That's your right. Okay, hey, hey guys, I'll have to exit um, now because uh, I got another appointment coming right up. So I, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be on the show. Really enjoyed it and uh, have a good rest of the afternoon. All right, and we'll thank you very much, Will Mejia, for PNP and BTV. It was a nice having to, to join our panel. Well, now I have um, Greg, I have Greg, and I have um, I have Joseph. But Greg, there's something we have like 15 more minutes, and I want to you know, brief, quickly go over something uh, that you two can we can participate in the discussion on. Um, the, the, the team that seems to be to uh, will touch upon it. You touch upon it. Joseph did is that they this our 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 elected officials seems to want to create dependency. They seem to want to create um not autonomy but independency by 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 the people so that they can have this forever thing that you have the this beggar mentality. They don't want to in, in empower them. Like for example uh, like you said, the Alcalde Village Council. Why is it that they they can't have their own autonomy to 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 pass their own statutes as they see localized, so that they they understand what's going on in 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 the villages. They understand the needs of the people. Why is it that you know that we can't have or trend towards where the local elements can control their own resources and they know exactly how to do? It? We don't need to. We don't need um, uh, independent to tell us how to, to how to do how to do it. They, they, like Will just said, in most cases, half of these guys don't even have the expertise. 
But you, you know something, um, Hubert. Um, what I the trend that I see in Belize, then you don't get anything from the system that you're entitled to if you don't agree with the minister behind that whatever it is that you're seeking. That's very sad. And I, I think yeah, it's, it's extremely sad because then they're holding hostage your right to use the system paid for by your tax dollars. Then on top of that, in some cases, you even have to pay for the system that your tax dollars already pay for in order to get access to it. And if your party is not in power, they conveniently lose applications here, there, and whatever if you're in another party. I mean, it's ridiculous. It has to end. Whatever political party is in power, they're not in power for that party. They're in power for the nation because the nation believed the story they were giving them during the campaign. Then they end up voting or, or they end up running the country as if though it's their personal piggy bank. And I can't help but to think that somehow, someway, Greg's troubles, the troubles of the Garifuna somehow are correlated and they, they are both victims of this kind of system that we have in Belize. I can't help but to think that. No, you're right. You're totally right, Joe. It's a, it's a logical uh, consequence of what we're saying because you're saying, you said something that's very stealing. We're entitled to this. For a simple application to get a piece of land, whatever you're going, you pay a thing. It should be a, it should be a routine yeah. thing. But yet and still, you know, you have to jump through all these loopholes for something that you're entitled to as a citizen of that country. Simple thing, an application to do this, you know what I mean? To do that, to do this. Simple thing, you have to go through some, you know, the whole thing, it has to end. At some point, you cannot develop a country on, on, that, on the premise that, that you must have a, a personal, individual um, know-how between you and an official that's there to serve the nation. I think that is something that, that, that has really kept our country back. And I, and I think mm-hmm. also too, Greg, when I look at the struggle of the Mayans, you can't help but wonder what would have happened if you didn't, if you didn't have a great Chuck who decided that they wanted to stand up and fight U.S. Capital Oil. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I think that what would – I think I was going to say that Greg, Greg Chuck, I think, has educated the Maya people about their rights through his actions. And I implore – me, I, I implore the Garifuna leadership to get out of bed with the political party in which they're in bed with and do the same thing. You cannot hold the Garifuna people back to please a political party. And in my humble opinion, that's what we've been experiencing. Um, the leadership, they're so in, in bed with uh, one of the political parties that they don't do anything for fear of, of alienating themselves from that party. And that's wrong because then they're leading the people down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. I think that the people Mm -hmm. need to be educated. They need to be informed about our rights as indigenous people and our rights to exist as indigenous people, even within the context of urbanization or neoliberalization. um, We still have a right to be indigenous. We have a right Mm -hmm. to live the life that we, we have, that we live. You know, I yeah, think I, I, I just want to conclude by saying that um, 
I think that what happens in Belize is a travesty, and uh, I think that uh, Belize uh, endowed with riches beyond untold, wealth untold, and uh, we've allowed successive political leaders to come in and do as if though it is theirs. And uh, uh, Belize, I have always said this publicly, that Belize could have been a little Switzerland of Central America. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, we've allowed it to 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 be like one of the republics where lawlessness and uh, violence and corruption is the 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 thing the the culture in this country. And and I think that um, we have to continue to examine ourselves and the role we play. And uh, I think that. Uh, for too long, we have had leaders where they have taken up positions and uh, used their offices, just like the politicians use their offices to enrich themselves or to gain favors for themselves instead of really doing the work that the offices and the trust that they have been entitled to them. Uh, so I think that we need to move away from that, and uh, I am hoping that my involvement with the struggle uh, in the South is uh, showing that um, uh, that that there is hope, uh, but it comes with some significant sacrifices, you know. Um, and, and I think that one has to be strong and one has to have convictions and 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 and, and have principles, you know, and for for we to to really take on. Uh, the the challenges, uh, and I'm happy that I have I continue to play a small role in in Belize uh, towards that um, uh, towards that enlightened and progressive country that I think Belize can become. I totally agree with you. I think <laughs> I, I I think that um, that mm-hmm. the Greg Chuck is being a bit humble because yeah. in retrospect in retrospect. Even though David fought Goliath, by fighting Goliath, David became a giant himself. <laughs> well, that's an interesting analogy, yeah. You, you know, to look at it that way. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, and whether it's the Garifuna people, whether it's the Creole people, whether it's uh, Big Gia from Harmonville, Nigel Petit, and then, yeah. we all have this common, we have all this commonality that we must address, and that is our struggle mm-hmm. for human rights, our struggle for or the rights that we're entitled to is being seriously compromised by a few minority in that country. And this is something that we have to end. We have to stop it because we only have a few, the business, business political elite that continues to, to hover over the vast poor working class majorities and we have to start to assert ourselves by saying, look, no, this has got to end because at the end of the day, you know, we, 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 we our our, the legacy that we're going to leave for our children is going to be one of dependency, one of uh, begging, one of crawling on your belly, one of hands out. That's not the legacy you want to leave for your child. You want to leave a legacy of, of standing up for what's right, forbidding what's wrong, and doing the right thing. So I think when you see the struggle of the Mayas, when you see the struggle of the Garifuns, when you see the struggle of individuals who decide that, they, that they're going to band together for what's right and forbid what's wrong, you have 
to stand in solidarity with them because the cause is just. We cannot mm-hmm. continue to create a society of dependency. That's not how you develop a society. You, enla- mm-hmm. you empower your people to create a society where everybody can have access to an opportunity to do a, to get right to get you know what you're entitled to. And it's not we're not asking for anything that 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 that, that is far fetched. We're asking for a good okay. housing, affordable housing, uh, access to, to adequate health care, to, um, to appropriate education, I mean, a good infrastructure so we can get around. These are two reasons for any society. So it's not like, you know, we yeah, ask the, for the, I think government, the, government, the government of Belize, they must change the way they do things. And it doesn't matter who is in office, whether it be UDP, PUP, or, you know, whatever doesn't matter which P is in. Mm-hmm. The problem Great. is that these guys tend to, they tend to want to charge you or want to benefit for giving you access to a system you have access to. That's a big problem in Belize. It has mm-hmm. to end. Mm-hmm. It has to end. There's it no does. reason why the, the Mayas the Maya should have to beg the government to, to follow the, the, the laws of the country and give them their rights. Greg, within the last yes, few sir. minutes, leave us with, uh, your, give us your last, you know, tell the people in the diaspora, you know, you know, in the last couple of minutes we have, we're like maybe five more minutes. I want you to, you know, two or three minutes, just tell the people what exactly is it that you, um, you know, sum it up for us then, so we can I, identify I, I, this purpose. I, Okay, I, 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 yeah, I really need to go now, but um, yeah, thanks for, for the opportunity. I, I want to leave the, a message that, you know, um, and I know a lot of uh, my friends who are in the diaspora, Belizeans, I know they still love their country. I think that there is a lot that they can do. Um, it's not an easy uh, work to take on the mantle of leadership. Uh, to try to change the system. Uh, I do this because I love my country. I, want, I think there's so much, so much uh, opportunities uh, and greatness that can come out uh, of this country. But I think that uh, our political leaders have retarded the growth and opportunities that exist. And uh, as Belizeans, whether we live here or in uh, Los Angeles or New York and Pennsylvania, Chicago, wherever we are, whether in Europe, uh, I think um, I think a lot of Belizeans still love their country, and 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 and, and, and I think they have a role to play in terms of of supporting, whether by by letter, whether by um, you know, releases to the media that, you know, we are watching. We, there's so much that can be done, and I think it, 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 it will take a lot more than one person, one organization to transform this country. It will take all of us uh, with a common purpose, a common cause to take back uh, our beautiful country, you know. Um, and, and that's why I do what I do. And uh, for those that have... With, uh, with with my organization, with me and the communities, um, you know, I'm extremely grateful. I'm grateful now for the opportunity to how to be on this show, uh, to, to to tell the story. And um, you know, I look forward to more uh, of this kind of uh, exposure and uh, 
and uh, opportunities to 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 to, to speak on on the matters at hand. And I want to thank you, Hubert, and and, and Mr. Guerrero, for the opportunity. You know, and certainly that this will not be the the first. I am hoping that there will be more time that we can have this kind of discussion and debate. No question, Greg. I want to thank you for taking your time. I know you're a busy man, and um, I want to thank you for coming and telling us, uh, you know, your side of the story and how it impact the impact of, uh, you know, what's happening down there in Belize against down south in the Mayas. I want to thank you for that. And um, we would con- we will continue to follow this very very important development as it relates to the to your fight against the monster U.S. Capital Oil, and we will continue to support you and stand in solidarity behind you on that. That you can that you can uh, that you can depend on. I will mm-hmm. my voice will thank continue to, to to resonate in that in that country as it relates to the the, the Mayan struggle and the, the indigenous people struggle. Tariff on the Maya, yeah, yeah, as it relates to uh to um to how our country has been developed. Joe, I want to thank you again. You've always been a wonderful ally to this show. And I, I thank you for um for participating and lending your expertise. I want to thank Wilma Thea, Wilma here also for um coming on and giving us his perspective based on what he does every day in the in the Chicky Bull and the uh the Columbarian Forest. I've been in there with him. I know what it's like, I know what the dangers he faced out on the down there in the in the Sarstone River mouth, uh, down there down there out in um don't wait, don't south. So I understand all this. So I want to, I want to say to all my listeners, you have just been privileged to, to some very serious, serious insight on what's happening in that country to the, to uh, to indigenous people and to, to the, to the vast majority of working class that continues to be on the outside looking in. If we want to change our country, you must get off the sidelines and participate and challenge the validity of the status quo. Um, do the right thing. Have a wonderful Saturday. Thank you very much. Thank you, Hubert. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Greg. Bye.